This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff run to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! podcast viva la cats we are now proud to say that we are presented by the big 12's premier podcasting group the 1012 network i am your host justin hiles accompanied by my great friend steve maurer and we are here to bring you the very best of the bear cats every single week once a week in our standard weekly preview and every so once in a while in our post-game twitter spaces speaking of post-game twitter spaces we just did one seeing how our data lines up we'll see if we can splice it into this one it might be a separate episode altogether but we'll find out the big story for today for us, 1012 Network, this is a huge, huge move for us. We're very excited for it. Um, we've been working on this for about the past two months or so, um, and everything's kind of finally come to fruition, and it's official, so we are part of the 1012 Network. Steve, um, you kind of you kind of started this with that conversation. We tried to workshop this whole thing, so um, you know, why don't you tell everybody what the 1012 Network is? Yeah, so uh, once we were getting more hot and heavy into the Big 12 talk last year as we were, you know, just starting to ramp up and starting to get tired of the American, um, I started looking into just like accounts to follow people to get interested in because I have such an admiration for what our friends across town at the Row Blog Pod do with their friends in the Big East as well. So I was kind of looking for something with some Big 12 ties and I, I came across the 1012 Network. I noticed they didn't have a Cincinnati show. So I was like, you know, maybe we should reach out to them and see if they'd be interested. And uh, Philip got back to us and he was interested. He onboarded us. We were on, uh, check out the 1012 podcast that was released on Monday of this week. Yes. Where, and Philip interviews us. And uh, Justin, we might actually have to send him that uh, Skyline package. <laughs> I haven't talked to you yet uh, off air about that, but just mentioning it now, we might have to yeah. actually do that. So we're going to have um, to at this point. But yeah, so uh, 1012, they have... Uh, podcasts for 13 of the 14 schools with a possible 14th being announced soon. You never know, but uh, you know, like we uh, already had some great interactions with the Scott and Holman podcast from Houston who covered that covers Houston was listening to Bosco's boys earlier today that covers K state. Uh, there's between two bears that covers Baylor. Our, uh, we have, uh, we were, we were tweeted at by the raspy voice kids and I'm interested mm -hmm. in, talking to them about our West Virginia Cincinnati relationship. Also sons of UCF. They've been uh, kind of wondering why everybody's hating on them. So, but <laughs> yeah, 13 of the 14 schools and uh, the 14th podcast may be announced soon. So, uh, but yeah, it's just very exciting to be involved with this league and involved with the 1012 network from this aspect. And uh, we're looking to bring to you guys some of the flavor from around the big 12. And, you know, I know, I know everybody, not everybody's going to be able to travel to every away game or be able to get to these big 12 towns right away, but we want to bring that to you on this podcast. So uh, look out for that. We're going to be, we're interested in uh, bringing a little slice of the big 12 back to Cincinnati. Absolutely. And of course, I mean, a lot of things are going to be changing for this program. There's going to be a lot of ups and a lot of downs probably too. 
Um, and so we thought, you know, what better way than to just be a part of a community, which the 1012 network is in order to help us grow in order to help Cincinnati grow and try to give more visibility to who we are, both our podcast, but also the Cincinnati program as a whole, because we've already had lots of questions about what is Cincinnati like, what to expect, you know, who are the good follows? Who's, who are the people to pay attention to? Um, and of course, you know, we're your number one. Uh, and that's, that's how that is <laughs> selfishly. Um, but again, it's, it's one of those things where I think this just is a great, great opportunity for us to really just share what Cincinnati is to the rest of this conference that doesn't really know much about us other than maybe yeah. West Virginia, who is a little bit familiar. Um, so with all that said, again, quick future goals. We just want to get more people on here. And also we're going to try to start rolling out some more content. You can also expect that these episodes, hopefully consistently now going forward, will be uploaded to YouTube as well. Um, we have switched platforms, so we will no longer be able to do uh, video on Spotify uh, because we're no longer an anchor. So with that said, make sure to check out YouTube if you want to watch us and you want to see all of my aggressive hand motions um, and make sure to keep on whatever platforms you already are because we should be pretty much everywhere as well. Um, and stay tuned to us because we may, this this is not going to be our only news announcement for 2023. So uh, keep, true. <laughs> keep it locked with us. There you go. Um, with all of that out of the way, Shit, man. <laughs> Tulane um, somehow got the better of the Bearcats with a whole lot of controversy. Um, like you said, we did do a post-game Twitter spaces. We got a lot of uh, differing opinions and a lot of uh, heated people, I being one of them, on exactly what went wrong. Um, but unfortunately, I think this is just more of the same. This is where the Bearcats have been throughout the season. They've struggled late game. They've struggled to put things together when they need to. Sometimes they can come out, you know, swinging and we're just playing catch up for the rest of the game or we're playing defense and you've got something that's going great one game and then it just falls apart to another. Uh, and it, it sucks because if this was the big 12 and we were already there and we're having these conversations about losing to Iowa state in overtime by, you know, a handful of points or losing to a Kansas or any of these teams where it feels okay and you can accept it. It feels fine. But losing to Tulane, I go back to Temple on this because Tulane and Temple are now right there neck and neck with each other. We should not be out-talented by these teams. We talk all that talk. We talk about the history of this program, what this program is, what it means, who we are, all that jazz. And we talk about how much better we are than everybody else. You can't do all that and then go in and lose to Tulane. Like you just can't, you are leaving these guys in the dust and they're getting one last one over on you. And I mean, maybe, maybe because of the way Cincinnati has been both with basketball and with football, we definitely have a target on our back. And that is for sure. Everybody's going to give us their best shot on their way out. Tulane, fortunately for them, got to get that one last one up on us before we left. And that's something that we're probably not going to be able to reciprocate for quite some time. But this is just, again, more of the same. Um, just a just a counterpoint to that, though, Justin. Um, do you care about not getting one back over on Tulane? Because uh, I don't. I, I I really don't. I've I've got I've gone past it now. I'm just kind of over that that fact, and I'm just like you know, we 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 tried our best in football. We knew we weren't going to have it fully in basketball this year. Let's just let's just go on home. 
uh, let, let, let's just go on home to the Big 12 and like just take our lumps, take the target on our back, and just go. Um, do I care? Yes, <laughs> I care. I I care. Okay, getting the reciprocated now that we've lost. No, do I care about that part? No. Should we have won this game, and should there be a situation where we're saying, "Well, guess we're just going to have to live with that"? No, because again, yeah, the end of this game, unfortunately whether you want to blame the players, whether you want to blame the coaching, whether you want to blame the injuries, whether you want to blame the atmosphere, playing in a high school gym on the road against a team who's good, not great, but pretty good. No matter what way you spin it, the Bearcats lost a game that they definitely should have won with the way that game was going. And And again, like we said, more of the same. Yep. I'm going to leave some of my pearls of wisdom to the spaces. So definitely listen to that for your reaction. Um, you know, that'll be a hot one. I'll get you, uh, like, <laughs> but you, you'll have some coffee and that'll be your espresso shot for your Wednesday morning driving to work. Um, you know, it, it's just a little bit uh, frustrating. And um, But Justin, I'm going to look at it from this way, uh, from a non-game analysis standpoint. Um, don't have to play on shitty broadcast feeds anymore oh, after boy. this season. Oh, don't boy. have to visit gyms with less than 5,000 people in attendance and less than a 5,000 person capacity anymore um mm-hmm. you said high school gyms we don't have to play in high school gyms anymore although i i made this joke earlier but i'll repeat it again we are playing at kansas so they, they you know they got some bleach they don't really have yeah. cool seats they, they got bleachers there anyway that's a that's a joke we love you kansas um please don't know, murder us <laughs> yeah uh and we're, we're not we're just not gonna be like the big fish in a small pond anymore and i think mm-hmm. for the for our program honestly I think that'll be a good thing uh, for this basketball program to, to understand that, you know, okay, yes, the program should be better, but we're not, and we're losing these games. And like, I, I still think like just the way the season has gone, it has been an improvement from last year and an obvious improvement from 2020. But when you, when you think about it though, like these are still games that these are I mean, you know, Cincinnati is a historically good at basketball program. We're not good right now. I don't want anybody clipping us and saying that we should be better than them. We're not a good program right now. And a good program should not be losing games to Tulane, to Tulsa. I'm sorry, to Temple. They lost to Tulsa last year. But uh, we, we shouldn't be losing games to programs that have not really done much in college basketball. I, I don't, mm-hmm. Temple has not done anything in the past 20 years in basketball. So I don't really want to hear that. They have the top five wins in college basketball. Rest in peace to, uh, uh, you know, John Chaney. They have not really done anything since uh, he it, it stopped coaching there anymore. Uh, since he said, I'll kill you to John Calipari, <laughs> Temple basketball has not really done much since. Anyway, yeah. uh, I, you just, it's not the expectation of this program to be losing games like this. And I think next year we'll get that needed dose of reality that hopefully we're getting right now. And I think this is going to be an off season for the coaches and the players to step back and say that it wasn't good enough. And we understand that. And, you know, if in the, in the future, like, you know, we decide to move on from West Miller, it's going to be, well, you know, like back to the drawing board, we got to try all over again. We're, you know, we, we want to be good in basketball. Like our fans, mm-hmm. I think we appreciate the football success, but I think there, if you gave everybody, Andy Staples would call it the ass juice, but the truth serum, you know, and just <laughs> said, okay, which is your favorite UC sport? 
I think a lot of people our age and older and maybe even some younger kids would say basketball. You know, we yeah. love football, but it was really nothing before 2007 and 2008. Basketball has been in our blood for some of us since 1955, 1960s. And football has just not had that longevity. And I think, you know, we, we want this basketball program to be good. And we can't, I, I think like, obviously Tulane is better on this in the league this year. They've won some good games. They handed Memphis their first um, home loss of the season yep. on Saturday. They're a good team. And Ron Hunter's a, <laughs> Terry Nelson called him an <laughs> AAU coach on the radio tonight, which I thought was funny. <laughs> That's um, perfect. And, I mean, like he was he standing on the scores. He was standing on the scores table after the game. He basically is. But um, yeah. you know, what other kid has what other guy has their son like on their team, you know? Right. Like, a lot of guys. Anyway, um, I, I just think it's funny that like, you know, we we do think of ourselves as kind of high and mighty in this conference mm-hmm. when our basketball program has regressed. And I think it's eventually gonna come to a point where it's you know, we need to ask hard questions to Wes Miller, we need to ask hard questions to our you know, our, our players, our administration. And I think, and nobody's, nobody's happy with that. You know, nobody was happy when we lost to Tulane a couple of years ago, when we had the propeller plane and all that like BS, whatever <laughs> happened with that. Nobody's happy with these. I'm just, I, right. I, I've been rambling. So I just want to end it and say big 12, we can't wait to see you <laughs> next year. We are ready, baby. We are so yes. ready. No more have- pixelated feeds, no more. Eight <laughs> eight I have two points and we'll move off of this whole thing with Tulane. It's really not even about Tulane. This is about the program as a whole. Um, Wes Miller, like I said, I mean, I, I, I am sold on the potential. I think everybody's sold on potential, sold on the profit, sold on the results, not yet because they just are not there. I am waiting to cash out and I am bleeding. And this, this is where this is right now. And honestly, like it's, it's just kind of, it's just like waiting and waiting and waiting for that payoff in that payday that is not there yet. Will it get there? We don't know. And this comes to my point number two, that I would just like to say, Wes Miller, this is, this is not a, this is an objective point of view. This is not critical at all. This is not hyping him up either. Wes Miller probably has the longest leash out of any coach in college basketball, you come into a program that is just an absolute turmoil. You're expected to have some amount of a turnaround. You're expected to fix that. And you're expected that your year one is going to be rough. You then get the benefit of getting to go to the big 12 the next year. That benefit also says, okay, your second year, it's a garbage year. It doesn't mean anything because what it's really about is the big 12. You get to your third year. Now you're in the Big 12. Sorry, my dogs are fighting. Uh, you get into your third year, and now you're in the Big 12. Guess what? It's a year zero, baby, in the Big 12. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to figure shit out. It's going to be rough again. Year two in the Big 12. We're still putting it together. What, at what point does this whole thing with Wes become, show me the money? When do, when do we hit that point? Because... We cannot keep extending this leash until we get something in return. And that, that, that's really just what my perspective is on this whole thing with Wes. Like I love Wes. I think he's a great coach. Surely show that he's a hell of a recruiter. We've definitely, you know, we we've seen the offense change. We've seen offense for the Bearcats that we have not seen in years. We've seen a lot less rock fights, which I think is also fun, but 
we we need to get to a point where we can critically analyze Wes Miller as a coach and say, okay, this is your deadline. Here's your due date. What do you got for me? Well, I think a lot of people. Then, I'm tired of the progression. I'm, I, we, we have to have something to show for. And the AAC well, is your something to show for. Big 12 is going to be hard, hard as shit. It's going to be rough. Yeah. Well, and like, I think this was the year for people, for him to show people, okay, yeah, I can do it against, you know, inferior comp, inferior competition, which we've clearly proven that they are not. We have clearly mm-hmm. proven that we have, we are still on the level of these other teams that are not named Houston in this conference. Um, and I, I think it's also just the fact that he just does not have a signature win yet outside of that Illinois win, which is a neutral site win. And like it Illinois was like an eternity ago, it was like the worst game. I think Illinois has played under their current coach. Like I, I, I think Ever. like they have not <laughs> played that poorly before or since, even when they got bounced in the tournament by Loyola. Like, I don't think yeah. Illinois has played that poorly other than that game against. So I don't want to give West like, I mean, he can, he obviously won that game, you know, and like they, they came out shooting, but I, I just don't think he has that one signature win that we can all point to and say, okay, that was the moment where everybody bought in and everybody started believing. And I've been cheering for him this year to get that win because you beat Xavier this year, you get the people back on board. You beat Houston in that second game this year, you get everybody on board. You, you, mm-hmm. you know, you win one of these Memphis games, you get people on board. Like you, in even like if you had somehow knocked off Arizona in Maui, I think you get people on board, even though that's another, you know, neutral site uh, right. in-season tournament win. That's still a top 10 team that you beat. And I just, I, I don't know. Like it, it's, it's just frustrating. And he's obviously like, you know, we want him to succeed, I think. And obviously he's brought in the talent that shows he can succeed. I just think it's gotta be, you know, he, to me, he's a Roy. He's he's following in mentor uh, in his mentor of Roy Williams. You know, like Roy Roy Williams had the talent. He kind of just beat up on everybody. It was just like Dean Smith. You know, he when he had the better team, he won. Uh, when he didn't, he it wasn't always that. And I'm sure Roy Williams was a much better coach than Wes Miller. But Roy got dogged all the time for leaving timeouts on the board, for you know not putting in his best like rotation, for not winning enough in critical situations and obviously he won what was it two or three national titles while he was at carolina and obviously he won yeah. another one at kansas well did he win another one in kansas i don't remember but um but Not anyway sure. like uh, he still got dogged and he was a legend yeah at, but yeah. you know even at north carolina and that's but he he also like kind of let the players do what they want and that's yeah. like you know wes is roy williams light like and i Maybe I, I I didn't watch enough Carolina basketball over the years to have that proven to me, but I I think it's like impossible to not think that he's a player's coach. He leaves timeouts on the board. He doesn't really have like a set offense that we know is going to score every night other than just threes. And Roy's teams didn't really just chuck threes. They had mm-hmm. more of a inside presence. And I, I do think there's, you know, he needs to start recruiting a little bit better and like get some better players in and, I, I want to give him until the transfer portal this year. And that, because, you know, Justin, like look at Jerome Tang at Kansas state, he took over 
like, you know, maybe not the best situation, but he took over obviously a big 12 situation and year one, he got to turn around. Obviously, I think a lot of people are saying how great Jerome Tang is. And he was part of the, the reason why Baylor was so good. And now he's part of a Kansas state team that is really good in year one. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not expecting that for Wes Miller to have like a big 12 bounce, just like Jerome Tang in year one. But I, I think it's okay to say that, you know, he's, been leaving it a little bit lacking and obviously what what i talked about on the spaces on saturday if he improves on his record from last year that's an improvement that's a slight improvement but that's an improvement and i think people wanted more out of this season and then you know we kind of just dropped some games here and there that we shouldn't probably shouldn't have dropped and as long as this doesn't turn into a slide now then it's going to be fine but you know I, i i do think you, you can start applying the pressure to him now, Justin, because this was a season yeah. where he he was picked to finish third and he's likely not going to finish third in the conference. And I, you know, and I, I think it's also that, you know, there's a lot of guys from the big 12 that are going to be gone after next year and it's going to be a newer league and you, you should be able to recruit to that. So, yeah, but my last point on here, and then we'll move on to the rest of the points that we have, but Wes Miller just a reminder of what his contract is. His average annual salary comes out to just about 3 million, 2.95. Uh, and he's here through the 2028, 2029 season. That kind of salary expects results. That kind of money expects results. You cannot accept being where this program currently is. And that's, that is just the truth of it. If you're going to be, if you're going to be paid that way, if you're going to be on here for the long haul, Something needs to start clicking. We're seeing flashes here and there. And of course, we're going to overreact to every loss and we're going to overreact to every win. That's what we do here. If you haven't listened to enough shows and you're new here, this is what we do. This is our brand. But <laughs> at the same time, like, you know, you, you, you can't be you can't be fiddling with this stuff. You have to be locked in. You have to be ready to go because, again, the Big 12 it's just going to get harder and it's going to be a hell of a lot more rough. And there's a lot of experienced coaches that the big 12 has just ate up. And yeah. I, I would love to not see West be one of those guys. And I would really love to see us put it together, but we've been talking very much about all of that. We're still got a little bit of this on basketball real quick conversation on next year's roster crunch, big points here. Who's going to be back and who do you think is most likely to leave? Um, I, I think it's been a, a talk amongst you see Twitter for the past uh, couple of weeks. I do, I do expect uh, uh, Jeremiah Davenport and Mike Adams Woods to move on, especially with the additions that are coming in next year. Um, I think the assistant coach, uh, uh, Craig Moore, I, I forget who it was, but one of the assistant coaches who filled in for West last week when he was out recruiting did let it slip that John Newman is taking his medical redshirt year and is going to try and get a six, Wait, a six-year waiver um so Good. i mean maybe you can get him for another year which would be great um but you know and victor lockin is coming back as well as dan skillings and josh reed but other than that like there's a lot of guys that you know like uh, justin williams broke it down in his mailbag today the julius um zeke pay uh Finnessy, unfortunately just i think he played his last game as a bearcat tonight all yeah. gone after this season so it's, it's three guys. And obviously the three guys that are coming in are going to take those spots. And maybe you get uh, Flory Bidunga and maybe he reclassifies. That would be a big win for Wes. And I, 
I think that's why people are excited about Wes is because he's doing things in recruiting that no other UC coach has ever really done and recruiting yeah. like big, big names and being in battles for big names to come to Cincinnati. So I think that's where like people want to believe in him. That's where I want to believe in him. And like, I don't think another coach would have brought Rayvon Griffith here. And I think he does really relate to these players. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then uh, we'll see, I think you, you leave probably, there's probably about four or five spots. If, especially if Jared Hensley decides to move on as well, he's just not getting any minutes right now. Kind of yeah. surprised, honestly, Justin, that he didn't get any minutes tonight either. He I know. He needed like a big man, you know? Yeah, um, I agree. Wouldn't be surprised either if uh, Odio Glama moved on for like an, uh, one more opportunity somewhere else for like his senior year transfer as well. So uh, I'm kind of iffy on him, but I <laughs> Steve's think doing another we, clear out. <laughs> yeah, but we, we at least have four guys, uh, three guys returning and three guys coming in. And I've listed those names off. We know who's coming back and we have a pretty good idea that John Newman can come back, but that leaves like four good spots in the transfer portal for guys to come in. And, you know, seniors wanted to play in there last year in the big 12, obviously you want to keep building. And the fact that we'll have six of Wes's like homegrown players, seven, I'm um, sorry. No, you, you'll have five homegrown players and a junior college transfer in next year for Wes. That's great. Uh, like that's, that's how you build a program. You know, you don't build a program in basket, especially basketball off transfers. You build it off recruits. So um, yeah, just real quick, but I think, I think my prediction for the off season is that we will see Micah and uh, Jeremiah Davenport and Jared, Jared Hensley all be on the move and in, into the portal. That seems like a pretty sound prediction. Um, I think you're, <laughs> I think, unfortunately, given the case, um, a lot of people would probably agree with you, but I don't know. I mean, personally, I could see, I could see with the with the way that things have gone this season. I don't know how much JD pays attention to online Twitter. I don't know if he cares. I don't know if he gives two shits about it. I don't know if any of that revolves around Wes or any sound outside, any outside noise comes in. But if that were the case there's a lot of clamoring and there's a lot of stones being thrown at JD. And personally, if you're a guy who's this late in, you're looking at the class that's coming in. You're looking at your experience level. You're looking at what your situation has been, where you've now been reduced to the bench going into your last year of eligibility. And you're going to be in a harder, bigger conference. I'm wondering if he stays. And that's, that's the thing where I think Micah personally People might disagree. I think he still has plenty of value to offer. He is very good at protecting the ball. He definitely distributes well. And he also has been a pretty, pretty, pretty nice backup here and there in situations where we have not had JD. We have not had DDJ and these other guys hitting shots. And Mike has really come through. Has it taken a little while? Has he not got up to where we hoped he would be? Yes. Has he reached the ceiling? Possibly. If you can get him to buy in to be a man off the bench, or if you can get him to buy into a reduction in minutes, but still be a starter, I think he stays. Remember, you're losing DDJ. That's going to be hard to replace. You're not going to get that kind of volume shooting out of Micah. You're not going to expect that out of him just to come out of nowhere. But as somebody who can control it, I think he's a lot like Justin Jennifer, personally. That's where I see that comparison. And I think he has a skill set to still offer. JD, on the other hand, I mean, 
I hate playing this bully shit and I hate playing this like scapegoating kind of thing. I really don't like it. But if we're being honest, where the program needs it the most, you need a guy who is going to be consistent when you're going forward. And I just don't know with all of the pieces in play and what's to come, what the expectation is for his role from Wes, what his own expectation is with the program and where he expects to be. I mean, I think that he's a Cincinnati guy through and through. I think he wants to be here. I don't know if he gets pushed out. I don't know if he ends up staying. Personally, with the way I've seen everything with Wes and the way Wes is a player's kind of guy, I think all of them stay. I think Wes and JD stay. Is that what everybody would want? I don't know. But I don't know. I don't personally, and this is not a, this is not a shot on Wes, but just seeing how Wes has been and with the way that Wes doesn't quote unquote dig into his guys, I don't know if he has it in him to get rid of these guys personally. I mean, I just don't know if he does. Like if, if, if it comes to you're, you're looking at the future of this program, are you going to be able to tell somebody who is not ready for that next level goodbye when they've been starting for three or four years of the program? I know it happens all the time. I just don't think Wes is the guy who's going to do that personally. Well, um, just, just from people I've talked to and, you know, things I've, things I've, I've heard, like this, this staff does know that it's a, it's a step up in competition. And like, I love, I love, I'm going to always love, you know, Micah and uh, Jeremiah for what they were and how they helped us. But I, I think it's okay to say that they're not big 12 talents. And I, I think it's all right to say that like, they, they, played well while they were members of the UC was a member of the American athletic conference, but it's a step up in competition next year, Justin, we are also getting games with, you know, cross conference teams. We don't even know like the games that the big 12 might be playing next year in their conference, like connections. And you're going to be playing 20 games against the best basketball conference with an average net of like 27, every single disgusting. And I, th- I think it's okay to say thank you for what you've done here. We appreciate your time, but we're going to move in a different direction. And that's a grown up talk. And I know, I mean, mm-hmm. Wes probably told, you know, like Mikey Saunders and Mason Madsen and all the guys that ended up leaving, like, you know, hey, I, I get it. Like, you know, we probably are moving in a different direction. And if you want to find another place, and you know, that's not Wes's job to give everybody minutes and just baby everybody. He's got to like put the best team on the court. And I think he's a grown up enough and he relates well enough to these players to have these conversations. That's grown up conversations. That's just part of life. You're just going to have those conversations one day. I've been turning down vendors for my wedding and I've had to do this <laughs> weird situation, but we've decided just saying we've decided to go with somebody else and being able to say it and just, you know, it's a grown up thing to do. And yeah. I think Wes, he he's shown that you know he's not running anybody off but he's his relationship with these players is good and i think if you have a good relationship with the guys you can say okay like i'm sorry but we got to move on so and i'm i'm gonna say justin that's all the takes i have for tonight because i am (laughs) emotionally drained after that game (laughs) that is fair enough yeah um i i mean i I would hope that is the case and that I I would hope that we kind of get that real talk. And I hope that that kind of honest criticism comes through because it feels like it's, like I said, this just feels like a long leash and we don't know where to ring it in. So hopefully that'll be the case. Um, Last thing that we have for you guys today is just to give a shout out 
to none other than the rowdiest boys there are the kelsey brothers <laughs> this is the kelsey this is, brothers this is awesome that we at least this is it sucks how this happened but it is awesome that we at least get to say yeah we have arguably the two best guys at their position playing against each other who both came from the university of cincinnati and probably are both going to be hall of famers like and that is a school too like and and really- absolutely are ambassadors like it, it, the whole nine yards of it it is so cool to have that because how many other schools can say that granted they're brothers and like but any and sometimes you know you're going to have talent differential and all this and that but to actually have two guys out that are kind of the star of the show too you know i think kelsey even as a center of all the centers in the league kelsey is by far the biggest star of the show when it comes to that like if you're thinking it's like all right who's the cool center who's also really good it's probably going to be him when it comes to tight ends who is unanimously the best tight end of the league travis kelsey to say both of them are bearcats it just feels good so we're happy for them glad to see them playing on the national stage um we're wear not going to pick favorites here. Sunday. Yes. <laughs> wear your Bearcat, wear your Bearcats gear. And that will be the equivalent of the Rob Lowe NFL hat. Uh, but if you had to pick right now, who would you say, which Kelsey brother is going to come home with their second Super Bowl ring? Uh, unfortunately, I think it is going to be the Travis Kelsey led Kansas city chiefs, but um I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Uh, the uh, Eagles definitely have a great offensive line and some good defensive lines as well. And they've been able to, they've been pretty much steamrolling teams um, in their two playoff games. Uh, both teams they played, they steamrolled, but I don't know. I, I think it'll probably be the Chiefs. Also shout out Brian Cook. Can't forget him. It's huge. He's, he's played a huge role in that team. And uh, also, yes, the Chiefs I, have I think two, he's, yeah. two Bearcats. Two Bearcats to one. one. So and here's here's my dilemma here. It's going to be hard for me to pick. I think I'd rather personally pick Kansas City, although I don't like Kansas City. I don't want them to win. I don't know if the world can afford for Philly to have another Super Bowl, <laughs> personally. But Which I would also like drunk? to say that we lost to the Super Bowl champions. Yeah, feels, feels a little bit better we, than just... Well, we yeah, lost they to the Super Bowl lost. champions last year, but you know... Yes. That... <laughs> Which brother will get drunker? Oh, it's well, it's definitely going to be whichever one wins for well, sure. Whichever one wins. No, no, no. I'm just saying like, wh- which one, like you tell me, like Jason was oh. slugging beers in his mummer costume. The last time he won a super bowl. For and sure. Was Jason literally doing WWE wrestling cuts. So, I mean, I think it would I... for sure be Jason because that the amount of beers that that man has to pound to feel it, I can only imagine it is going to be an absolute luge if they win. So I can expect that that is what we will get from either of the Kelsey brothers. Honestly, I think it's going to be a deadlock race for whoever gets the most plastered. But all of that to say, it's been an interesting season so far. We have a couple games left on the slate for Bearcats basketball. Of course, again, like we said, we're very excited to be part of the 1012 network. Very excited to be moving into the Big 12. We are looking forward a lot of us are just saying, yeah, can we just get there already? Just put us in there already. We want to get to it. But hold your horses because it might get a little more rough. We'll see how that goes. Thank you guys for listening this week. Again, we are now pr- proudly presented by the 1012 Network. Be sure to check out the 1012 Network on Twitter. 
as well, the uh, flagship podcast for that run by Philip. And make sure to keep listening to Viva the Cats because we love having you here. So again, thanks for listening, guys. Go Bearcats. Go Bearcats, baby. There's a lot of different opinions on this one. Clearly, everyone is very split. Are we sure about that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think think there's a lot of different angles on this one. Um, But something to the effect of the team that was losing the game scoring 28 points at the half, then scoring 100 points does not sit right with me. <laughs> that sucks. Um, there's, there's literally no other way to put it other than that was just fumbled away. There, there's no excuse for letting a team score 70 points in about a half and five, and five minutes. Overtime can be long. Sure, there's some back and forth, and of course, a lot of that comes at the line. But I mean, it, this is this is. I, granted, they won, so give them their flowers for that. But it's too lame. It, this is this is not uh, you know, this is not Houston. This is not another team that you would expect to go out there and drop a hundred on your head, um, and so lovingly at the end heard that the last time that Tulane scored a hundred was against. LIU, whatever, some random, like probably D3 school. It, <laughs> how many how many times have the Bearcats just absolutely obliterated their lead late game and just crumbled? I mean, it, it's happened so many times. And unfortunately, I think the easiest thing to chalk this up to is uh, you're on the road against a very good team. Tulane is quality. They're eight out of the last 10 and now nine out of their last 11. So that'll probably do it. But at the same time, you know, you've got to, you've got to be able to find a way to win at the end of the game. And of course you can't do that all the time. And people are going to argue talent. People are going to argue coaching. I think it goes both ways. Um, and I, I think there's, you know, a little blame that everyone shoulders here, but ultimately, you know, I, I, Tulane, Tulane hit shots when they needed to, but I don't really think that this is a an artifact of Tulane just flat out being the better team. I think they were very good, and I think they put up a great competition, but with how the entire game went, I think we controlled most of it and then just let it go. And I don't know. I, don't, I just don't see why there's an excuse for that personally. But I'm going to open up the mic here, so anybody who wants to chime in, feel free to. Um We've got our Go Beer Cats guys in here. We've got Cincy Slang in here. Um, anybody else who wants to chime in, the mic is yours. Go ahead. I mean, we've it's like we're beating a dead horse at this point. We've this is this game is like a microcosm of the entire season, right? What what are the last six shots that we took in regulation were six misses from deep. We got the ball with a chance to win it tie game what kind of shot do we take heavily contested three i mean i wish i would have liked to have seen david julius get a ahead of steam not settle five 26 footer whatever it was and i we only need we only need one point to win the game why why jack that up and i think that's just kind of been the summary so far for the entire season 
hundred percent agree there. I mean, like I, I, I put this out too. It's like in that moment, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the plan is. I know the plan is give the, give the ball to DDJ. That is the plan, of course. But if you're DDJ or if you're West Miller, whoever is responsible in that point in time for finding that shot, drive it straight down their teeth. Like it, it's, it's, there's, <laughs> there, there's no excuse for just trying to force a shot like that when there's so much around you and, and, and you have other guys who are possibly open to not at least try to attempt to drive into the paint, drive in the paint, take the foul, drive in the paint, try to make the shot, drive in the paint, try to it's, pick it out, something. Sorry I was late, guys. I was late because I decided to tune in to the post-game show with Wes Miller where I wanted to hear what his explanation would be for what we just saw transpire over the past two-plus hours. I wasn't listening for him to explain the technical difficulties I wasn't listening here for him to explain the announcers. I was listening for him to explain how the hell we let that game get away from us in the final two minutes of the game with our team just jacking unbelievably ridiculous shots. And what we got to hear on his post game was him saying, I'm not going to make an excuse at least, I think, three to four times in the post game. And let me just tell you something. When you keep repeating, I'm not going to make an excuse, you are in fact making an excuse we had zero business losing that game and for anybody all season who has said it's a talent problem we lost our our best player in this game and we still had at least equal talent to Tulane we should have destroyed this team and instead we choke it away and literally got out coached by Ron Hunter like clearly out coached outclassed by Ron Hunter ridiculous absolutely and 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 to to add to that too um, for those of you who might be forgetting, Bearcats were up 83 to 76 with 230 to go. So you're in a position where you have complete control of the game and it totally disappears. It, there, there's, there is no, <laughs> there's just no excuse for why that should be the case. Like, I mean, of course, you know, midway through the second, you've got some lead changes, but then if you're able to go on a little bit of a run, which they did, just protect it. I get that you're going to have some back and forth in this game. It's basketball. There's, it's a game of runs. That's how this game works. There's game of momentum. But to absolutely just lose it in, in the end and, and just not have any control and be totally at the mercy and at the wind of <laughs> at the wind of Tulane pushing you around around the lake, like it it sucks. Like this Look. is not this is not what this team is. It should be doing right now. This team should be in full control. And I, I will say, I think losing Vic was probably the biggest case there because I think late game with, with the way that they pushed into the paint with the way that they were able to, you know, draw guys out. That's just not having the size matchup, not having the skill matchup down low. Odie's great, guys, but I don't think this, he was league, getting it done. this league sucks. Okay. This league sucks. Houston is a really good team. They're a nationally prominent team. They're a top 10 team, legitimately. Everyone else is not good in this league. So we should, and we have we have more talent, in my opinion, on this current roster than everybody in the league, except for Memphis, maybe, and then it's probably Tulane twice this year. Every single game I watch in conference play, I'm never saying to myself, we are out coaching them. We're we're out strategizing them. Our coach is setting us up for 
to just to just X's and O's them. We know exactly what they're going to do. We're going to thwart what they do. We come into games and maybe shut a team down for the first half. You saw us hold Central Florida to, what, 20 points in the first half. Then they sliced and diced us for, I think, 44 or so in the second half. Against Tulane tonight, 28-point first half by them. And they're an explosive offense. Second half plus OT, we give up, what, 70-plus points in those two combined. These teams are coming out and just destroying us in second halves. And I know Vic Locken's not there for rim protection. That does matter. But we were still, I mean, we were having success in the first half. You know, it doesn't mean to let guys drive right by you to the rim for uncontested layups. And it's been a common theme all season. This is maddening. That's why I'm frustrated. It's it, There was two steps, a couple steps forward with these recent stretch of games and the Central Florida game. And it was imperfect, but it was better. And tonight was a disaster. Is, is it just as simple as you have three guys, four guys, you know, Davenport, uh, Julius, Nolly, and Micah, who had to be playing in that second half where they're not asked to play defense. They're, they're asked to at least provide you some good offensive minutes. They're, no one's going to say uh, have any of them on their all-conference defensive team or all-NCAA defensive team. They're it, they're just not like that's not their strong suit, and I I do agree that like you know you should not let that team back into the game. But I mean, give some credit to Tulane; they they were able to cut down the turnovers in the second half. And I'm not going to give them credit for being like a great team, but they were able to fix their mistakes. And the Bearcats like just went cold again in the second half. Uh, I'm more upset with just the last two and a half minutes where you, you go up by seven and then you can't hit a, hit a shot and you just take threes and you don't go try to go to the hole or, you know, and everybody makes jokes about that now, like about old man basketball, like go to the hole and try to get fouled and stuff. But I, like you're telling me we couldn't have come up with a better shot than just hitting landers in the corner. Like, I think it was two straight possessions and then Dave's a uh, couple shots there as well, where he got locked up and he couldn't do anything with it. It just, the shot selection at the end, and I understand we're down a big, can't really create that momentum. And, you know, I think our buddy Mitch from Canada will let us know that West Miller is not a very good offensive coach. And I, I'm starting to see that now. And it's just kind of frustrating with the shot selection right there the at shot, the end of the second half. The shot selection is bad at the end of the game because the shot selection is always bad. Or at, at best, it's questionable. You know, we're 25 games into the season. And our talented freshman, Daniel Skillings, is still still feels like he can come into a game and shoot pull-up three-pointers in transition with 26 seconds on the shot clock, even though he's a, what, 20% three-point shooter? And he, he stays in the game. He doesn't get pulled out of the game. You know who else we, we've seen this for two-plus years now? is Jeremiah Davenport. You know, there, there's not accountability to good decision-making on the court. And... It's great that Landers Nolly and Jeremiah Davenport and previously Mason Madsen all say that Wes Miller is their favorite coach to play for and one of the best coaches in the country. But, you know, Mitch from Canada and I talked about this yesterday. The fact is there's a chance that's because he just lets them do whatever the fuck they want on the court, right? It might not have anything to do with the actual coaching. It has to do with the fact that you can go on the court and, and just make terrible decision after terrible decision and still be allowed to, to do this again and again and again. I'm just... It's just worth pointing out, guys. It's not good decision-making, and it's not getting any better. So boo away, but it's the truth. 
I think I think the one of the big things that I noticed here too in this game overall, um, Bearcats playing ten guys out on the floor. Tulane, you're running seven. Tulane also happened to have three guys score twenty four or more in this game. That is just <laughs> I don't I don't know how you do that. How do you let how do, in the in the American Conference? How do you let three guys score? Almost 25 apiece. You have two with 27 and one with 24. The, uh, what, what, is this, what is this guy's name? Cross. 27. Six turnovers. Cool. 15 rebounds. Well, 15. Well, Cross is a guy big man, and we points. lost our big man this game. Then don't give me that. I'm sorry, but don't give me that. Like, they, we, we, Odie is not a big man. I'm sorry. He played the game of his life tonight, but he's not a big man. And Cross took over there. And I understand, like, he, you can keep going, but I, like, dude, he's going to score 25 on our bad backcourt regardless. Okay. So then explain the 27 and 24 from their guards. Because that, because is... you have Jeremiah Davenport defending. And I'm sorry, but <laughs> dude gets faked into easy step back threes all the freaking time. And it's like, dude, you've been playing in college ball. For four years now, how do you not know that? Like, how do you not see that coming? Or figure out, I don't know. I've never played college basketball, of course, but figure that out, man. Like, you, I mean, you're the one who's watching film and stuff. Like, you got to have a figure out a tail on a dude when he's going to do that to you. Damn, I got cooked. Yeah, <laughs> this 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 whole this whole game is honestly just ugly. But it also, I think, is I don't know. I, how much weight are we going to put on this game too? Because if we're, if we're being fair, if we're being fair, like you said, I mean, we've come back to this multiple times. We lost Vic in this game. Finnessy also went down late game. I mean, of course, I think at that point the game was pretty much over, but you also lose DDJ to a technical. You almost get West thrown out to a technical, which I think at that point, like I said, game's over. But do you are you going to put enough weight in this game? with Tulane being the way Tulane is and with injuries being what they were in this game, or is there more to take from that game? Well, still I mean, are we, this. are we not putting weight? So Vic, if Vic Locken misses some games here, are we not going to put any weight against 10 and 13, 10 and 13 South Florida, 12 and 12 East Carolina, 13 and nine UCF, 14 and 10 temple. And then 17 and six. Like, this league is not good guys. It's not, and so even with Vic locking out of the game, we were easily able to put ourselves in a position to win this game and close it out with simply better execution. And it's too frequent that our, our end of game execution is piss poor. I, I do think there's some there's some accountability to players, right? I'm not saying there's not. Jeremiah Davenport is one of the least self-aware players in the history of not only Bearcat basketball, I would probably say college basketball. It is shocking the audacity he has to take these absurd shots in crunch time without any regard for what it takes to actually win basketball games. He's not someone who you can consistently rely on, but I also go back to the fact that Wes Miller's his coach and Wes Miller's responsible for what he is doing on the court. Like our coach is responsible for the product we're seeing. And the late game execution tonight was really, really bad. And that only points to Wes Miller. He gets, he, he, he gets the blame for tonight. I, I go ahead, Hunter. You you've been waiting in there. I mean, I understand the frustration with JD, but if we're gonna point fingers at JD and his 
terrible shot selection. Why can't we put point that at David DeJulius? Like I understand, hundred percent agree that he makes those shit that fucking step back more than JD does. But I hate that shot. I hate it so much. It's a terrible shot. It's inefficient, and it doesn't make any sense for a guy who's barely six foot to be trying to take that shot over a wing who's six six. It's a I agree. terrible I mean, shot. I mean, it, it's horrible, and oh, uh, it frustrates the hell out of me that he never gets called on it. No, I mean, I, I agree with you, too. I think we have mentioned that before. Of course, I mean, I think this is the case, too. Like, unfortunately, with the way things are in this program currently, uh, it, it feels like there's just always going to be some kind of scapegoat. And I think when we're also missing a guy like Newman, too, which you could expect for a lot of, like, late-game defense, you're also missing that presence as well, um, which I think late-game, are you going to put JD or are you going to put John Newman out there? I mean, I think this I think this lineup looks a lot different if everybody's healthy and everybody's in there in the right positions. Personally, I mean, it's it's an effect of, I think, a lot of injuries, but also, like we said, time and again, it's it's poor, poor shot selection, and you can blame players all you want for poor shot selection. It's up to the coach to see that and then to follow through on that. And if your coach does not follow through on if, – if your coach rewards – poor shot selection by continually letting that guy take that shot. You're not going to make any progress. I mean, last year we had the heat check kind of stuff with JD where he was hitting eight threes in a game was really going. But this year, like it's not there. He has regressed in his ability to shoot. And I think, I think DDJ, we've also seen some of this slide too, where like you have the big games, but I can, I can think of multiple games where, DDJ is supposed to be your guy. He's right there. And he, I mean, all credit to him. He's really put, you know, himself out there for this team. But at the same time, you, know, you have to be responsible, responsible enough to not play hero ball in all these crunch times. Even if you are that guy who's supposed to get the shot. Landers Nolly, he missed a lot of threes tonight too. But he was also six for 15, which puts him about with everybody else. And if a guy has hit six, three in this, six threes in this game, just give him the ball. Give it, give it to somebody else. I have not seen Landers be in this late game situation at all. It's been JD or it's been DDJ or, you know, we've threaded it. Real quick. It's, it's been, the team went what? 17 of 48 tonight from three point land. The percentage is actually not terrible, but the way this team plays, it's all or nothing on the three point line. Like even when Vic is healthy and in the game, we don't go to him consistently enough. He doesn't score enough points per game because he doesn't get the ball consistently. And we don't put him in positions to score regularly or positions to thrive. When 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 you look at the Houston game, for example, we go out to that big lead. We have this halftime lead, and it looks like we have a real chance to win. That first half lead is mostly due to the fact that we got hot. It's due to the fact that the team started hitting from three. When you had to hold on to the lead in the second half with execution, it wasn't there. And it's not there because there is no there's no offensive strategy other than isolation plays leaning on individual talents to create shots, and there's not that much individual talent, right? Landers Nolly, David Julius a little bit, but otherwise it's not there. Like, Why does Daniel Skillings think it's okay to go out there and play hero ball as a freshman who shoots 20% from three? It doesn't make sense. Cam, I'll let you in here. Sorry about that. No, brother, you 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 hit the, hit the nail on the head, man. Uh, I, I just, you know, like I understand, I understand we limited this season, and I get it. Um, but what, what's concerning to me is I just feel like 
it, you know, when you're down the stretch, we're, we're losing the games the same way. And that's, that's what's concerning to me. It, it, and for Wes at the, at, you know, at the end of regulation, to go into end of regulation and have two timeouts in your back pocket is inexcusable. Um, you know that, you know, late in ball games, you struggle uh, to get a shot. You struggle to um, get quality looks. That would have been a great time right there to call a timeout and, you know, reset the group and run, and run something. It just feels like we come out of timeouts and it's hero ball and it's one-on-one isolation. And I don't get it out of timeouts. Like, are you not drawing up anything? I mean, we don't have any sets. Like, me as a coach, I can watch and be like, all right, they running this or they running pick and roll continuity. Cool. They running motion. Cool. They running four out, one in. Cool. They come out of timeout and they just dribble, 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 pass to Nolly, pass it back to DDJ, dribble, 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 pass it back. They're playing like buddy-buddy until it's like under five in the shot clock, then we get a step back three. At some point, the coaches have to rein the players in. It's just like, you know, when I coach someone, it's like, hey, you can't make that shot. I don't want you shooting them. You can't shoot them. And if you do shoot them, you're coming out. It's just that point play, period. Everybody has a role. Everybody has a, has a place on the team. But you just can't have guys jacking up threes just to jack them up. JD, it, it has to stop. I, and I hate the name call, but it has to stop with him. Yeah, and I, I want to ping on this too because we've we've brought this up a couple times in different scenarios. And yes, Mick is gone. Mick is no longer a coach. Wes is our head coach. That is how things are. But, man, talk about a coach who rung the players in when they were messing up. Like, one mistake and that, that desire for absolute perfection on every single play. That is that hard-nosed kind of ball that you need late game when you've got a lead and you want to possess and you want to control the tempo. You want to control the game. You cannot let them get back in that game. And again, I think it's just – I think it is just a lack of discipline or maybe it's too much responsibility being given to your ball handlers. With this team, though, Justin, with this team, does Mick Cronin, like, do any better? Like, I'm I'm, I'm being, like – half serious here like i mean the, and yeah probably absolutely yeah, he does better man you, he would absolutely do better he would have it, would, it this team would look completely different you would you many, would see them play completely differently i don't even want to go like it's honestly probably not healthy for us to go down that road it's going to it's going to get yeah. off the rails quickly we can we can it's going to get dark fast though like I, he oh, would okay. play right. he would play to the weaknesses of the team like he would understand this team running and gunning and not playing defense and counting on you know whether or not we hit threes is not a winning proposition. It's not the way to win and get the most out of them. It's not the way to beat Q1 teams, right? We've talked about that. The fact that he doesn't beat good teams and that's because execution is required and we don't do that. That's not what this West Miller team has done for two seasons now. Um, so yeah, I mean, Mick absolutely would do better with the team. Q1, Q2. This is one of those games too. And again, where, what is West now? One in 13 in Q1, Q2. Uh, two, two and thirteen. Two and thirteen. Okay. Yeah. One on so, Saturday, but right. that's one's pending. Fair UCF enough. might fall out of Q two. But anyway. True. But 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 regardless, I mean, I think, like we said, this this honestly just comes down, in my mind, this just comes down to not controlling the game, and control of the game comes down to game plan, and it doesn't even require you to hit shots. It requires you to stop shots. You got to hit something, of course, but 
down the stretch when you're up by seven with two minutes to go and you've controlled the entire game, that is not the time to let your lead go. The Bearcats had three time, three points in this game where they went on a uh, two-point scoreless skid. And, of course, the last one happened to come in the last two minutes. Um, so, of course, it's not very fun here, but, uh, you know, I think – Real quick, Justin, they 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 went to those shots because they actually the, those shots got us the lead. Like we had we had the lead in this game because we happened to make a lot of three point shots in this game. That was the strategy. They were just hoisting threes for most of the game, and and they counted on it working in the final minutes. The thing is, things get tense. You get a little tighter. The defense ramps up a little bit. You're not going to hit those shots consistently at the end of the game. So that's what they that's what they're leaning on because that's what they do through the first 38 minutes. Well, and it's also that like he couldn't have drawn he couldn't draw up a play. Like I swear the under the basket was open all night. I know they were playing man all night, but like we can't draw up like one back cut or one screen. And like I understand what our offense is doing. It's just like we we make one screen, try to make some cuts, try to make 13 extra passes and get an open shot. And it's just like can we can we not do that and like you know, I mean Cam said it like we don't we don't draw upsets. It's just like just frustrating, man. I mean, just just frustrating. Summer league ball, summer league ball is how we play. Yeah, <laughs> man. And, and, and it was so bad down the street. Like when you said we was up seven. I mean, I think every shot that we took was a contested shot or a step back three or a step back long two. I mean, it's just some of the shots that we take are probably some of the worst shots percentage-wise that you can take on the court. And it's frustrating. Like, even when DeJulius makes those long step-back twos, they're terrible shots. Like, they are the worst shots on the court. And it's like something has got to be done. And maybe and maybe it'll look better when we get guys in here that, that are better. You know, maybe it'll look better. But to me, it just seems like a bunch of chaos, man, and no organization. Hey, if we can get a bunch of Jarris Walkers in here, I feel good about it. <laughs> right. We, you know, that'd be nice. Can we get five of those? <laughs> and, yeah, I, I mean, think. Well, we, we are going to have better players in here next year. And, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I obviously there's a uh, – there, there's been a running theme to my analysis this year of, like, well, like, West brought in these players and uh, maybe he wasn't able to get some better players due to, like, you know, being in the AAC and not being in the Big 12 yet. And maybe – That'll change next year, obviously. Like you have to probably give out more NIL money, and that's a conversation for another time. But I, I just want to see what it's like this year in the transfer portal for West. Like I'm, I'm not fully out. I'm not full. Like you know, there. I'm not like I don't have to be fully in either. Like there's, you know, there's definitely some questioning here about his in-game coaching ability, and he has shown the ability to recruit right now. And you know, you got Jizzle coming in. You got. Day-Day Thomas, Rayvon Griffith. Uh, I mean, we are in on some big names as well, and you can continue to be in on those names. Like, we also have, like, Flory, uh, possibly. Uh, we'll see if that works out. But it, I, I don't know. I'm just – I'm still kind of in a wait-and-see pattern on him. I definitely understand, like, you know, it's it's not been good enough. It's not the standard Cincinnati basketball for us to be losing games at Tulane. Like, I, I hate that more than anybody else, that we have to take an L at Tulane for our last trip ever there. I'm just tired of this conference. I'm tired of playing in high school games. <laughs> I'm tired of all of this BS that we have to deal with. I'm tired of dealing with AAU. Co- I'm tired of all of it. I'm ready to be done with the American. 
I'm, well, it's going to be real good when we go into the Big 12 full arenas next year, and we have to deal with that instead. Well, Kansas still plays in a high school gym, so maybe yeah. we're not fully done with <laughs> Hey, I'll take it, man, because the ESPN plus stream was terrible in that building. I, we could barely watch the game. I'm sick of the whack announcers. I'm sick of I'm sick of it all. I'm sick of the AC officials. I'm I'm just sick of. It. Uh, yeah, I agree. I'm 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 just I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to move. I, can we can we go right now? Like a- anything is better right now. And it, like not- by the way, hang into this game. It wasn't all doom and gloom because we had put together a stretch of games that, while disappointing to lose to Memphis at home, disappointing to not close out that game against Houston, we then had the 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 no sweat win over Tulsa, which is a horrible team, but we didn't worry one minute during that game, which was refreshing. And then we followed that up with a pretty solid performance against central Florida. And the theme was that we were actually defending better than we had through most of the season. And you were starting to see still piss poor offensive execution, but we actually saw some defensive effort and execution on that side of the court, which was winning us games or keeping us in games that we previously wouldn't have been in. And so you, I, I was hoping to see that taken into the final seven game stretch against honestly, really bad teams. You know, we're, we're talking one game against on the road against Memphis. Otherwise we're, we're outmanning these teams. We have more talent than these teams and Vic, Vic lock and injury aside, our defense just fell off a cliff tonight. And that that's yeah. really disappointing. I mean, it was a layup line in the second half and it's not just, I know it's easy to throw it on Davenport, but like the Julius was getting blown by, Reed's out there getting backdoor cut, and it's all exacerbated then by horrible shot selection where you let let the other team get out and transition too. So it, it was a nightmare of a game for me. I think that puts the cherry on top. Um, I mean, I think we've all talked on this game, and I don't think it's going to make us feel any better talking any longer. But real, hey, real quick, uh, I got one question the, for you guys. Yeah, go ahead. I know he's go a ahead. young. I know he's a young guy, Josh Reed. Is there like? Any concern at all? Because, I mean, his jump shot is really, really bad right now. And I feel like every other shot is hit the top of the backboard. I, I think I, it's just that he's just not getting, like, those those minutes, like, regularly. And he was asked to play, like, in this game. And maybe he should have got some more minutes on Saturday. And maybe he should have got some more minutes against Tulsa. Like, I, he just kind of got thrown into a bad situation there where he hasn't really been given, like, enough run this year. Coomer, you go ahead. Well, we've only got two. As far as I'm concerned, going into next season, assuming we drop a big enough bag for Nolly to stay, we've got two known commodities going into next season and Landers Nolly and Vic Locken. And outside of that, we're really unsure. Like, we're hoping for growth and there has been some individual development under Wes Miller for Locken. Uh, Nolly's having his best season under his coaching. Um, but we're going to need guys to take big steps because I know we're excited about Jizzle. I know we're excited about Rayvon. They're going to be freshmen in the Big 12, and we're seeing how hard it was to adjust to ba- uh, college basketball for Skillings and for Reed. It's going to be just as hard for those guys too, and we can't expect them to come in day one ready to win in that league. So I, it's it's tough to really predict how it will play out, but I think I think it's tough sledding next year in the Big 12 and – you know, we're probably running out of money to, to lower much more talent in the portal. I mean, seriously, I don't really know. I don't I don't feel great about anyone at this point except for Lockett and Nolly. Yeah, and I think that's kind of – that's the key there too. I mean, look at where this team has been. Look at where they're headed. I mean, and the, the talent that we're supposed to bring in to compete next year, it all looks good on paper. But 
they're still going to have to figure out how to play together too. I don't want anybody to overlook chemistry because that is a huge thing on court. Raw talent is raw talent, but it needs to be coached and it needs to be put together and assembled very well in order to actually compete. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing that I'm taking away from this game because of how the last few games went and how the season's kind of gone um, with Wes, just tired of waiting on that moment. Tired of waiting on, all right, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We just need it to happen. So hopefully that happens soon. And hopefully like there's just, we get that confidence and we can make a run. But um, can I make one shout out before I log off here? Yeah, go ahead. I want to just shout out Nick Bauer made this incredible prediction uh, a few weeks ago as we started conference play. And he said that Kalu Azikbe would have, I think it was a nine and seven at one point during conference play. Tonight he got a nine and one, and we're getting closer. Nick, hang in there. His day is coming. <laughs> have a good night, y'all. Hang we'll in there. Somewhere. Hang in there. It will get better. It, it will get will better it? than it was tonight. Honestly, will tonight it? was terrible. It will get better. We'll figure it out. But again, storyline for tonight: Tulane wins one hundred one to ninety four in overtime. Tulane goes nine and three in conference. Bearcats slide to seven and five. Potential to make that number two spot pretty much eviscerated. Number three, possibly two. Um, hopefully the Bearcats can put enough together towards the late game stretch and we'll figure out how it goes, but take it easy folks. Thanks for listening. And again, if you aren't already listening, make sure to check out our podcast. We do do this weekly. We've got new episodes for you. So you, if you are new, uh, make sure to check us out and make sure to check out since he's slang in, make sure to check out go beer cats, check out all our guys here. Um, and like I said, hopefully we do better. Take it easy folks. Go Bearcats. See y'all.